The Regional Riff, your daily dose of news and views to get you on your way. Alice Walker is with you and Alice, we've been talking about Reconciliation Week. That starts today. It does start today. On a Thursday. Yeah, it is interesting, Mm -hmm. isn't it? I'm not sure why that is, but they have a theme every year. This year it's more than a word, reconciliation takes action. And they talk about moving from safe actions to brave actions. That's the focus this year. And if you go on the Reconciliation Week website, they've got a list of sort of 20 things that you can do to help promote reconciliation or that the sector can do or the you know society can do and so there's 20 things there and they map out a safe action a brave action to kind of show what they mean by that so it's worth having a look uh, but one of the the things on that page is about promoting indigenous self-determination and it mentions a range of sectors to do that in healthcare being one of them and what I'm looking at today is uh, the fact that there are very very few indigenous specialists Sandra so the Australian Indigenous Doctors Association published a report on this just last year with some stats. Uh, Australia has around 71,700 specialists. Only 110 identify as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. So unless you're a super maths whiz, you probably need the percentage. Mm-hmm. That's just 0.15%. So that, that's compared to more than 3% of the population. So just point. So I had a chat to a couple of Indigenous specialists who are the first in their field. So that's how how rare they are. You can can actually become the first of of that uh, specialty. Uh, So Associate Professor Luke Birchall is a Yorta Yorta Jaja Warring man, originally from Marupna. So he became Australia's first Indigenous cardiologist. And uh, he is, says he's really proud to be the first. They talk about it amongst themselves in that network of Indigenous first. <laughs> you know, I'm the first nephrologist, the first ophthalmologist. They sort of know who they all are. Uh, but he says the healthcare system sees Indigenous people as a problem. So he talks about being seen through stereotypes of deficit, dis- dysfunction and disadvantage. And he says there is pressure on the few Indigenous doctors there are to be leaders, to do extra work outside of their job, to contribute to the Reconciliation Action Plan, the Indigenous Working Group, those kinds of things, and also to be an advisor, a mentor, a spokesperson, a poster child. He says that pressure is there. Uh, And looking at what changes he would like to see, he talks about moving from a problem space to a solution space. And he told me a bit what that might look like. So he says Indigenous programs should be the core business, not side projects, not just in the healthcare sector, but in all types of businesses. There shouldn't be an additional thing. So here's Luke. The first step that organisational leaders can take is to review their mission statement, their values, strategic plan, their budget, and ask where do Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and communities fit with this. And if the business is about local community or if it's about, say, the Australian community at large, that includes Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people as the first peoples of this country. So those mission statements, those values need to be reviewed with Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people in mind. Moving forward from that, it's about empowering Indigenous leadership. And as chair of the College of Physicians, one of the first things that uh, I was able to achieve was for the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander Health Committee to become a committee of the board. And we reviewed the mission statement of the College of Physicians, which was, is, to serve the health of our people. Yet much of the time and the money that was being spent at the college was not serving the health of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So just recognising that led to a fundamental shift 
in the college's priorities and really Indigenous-led priorities so that we could focus on growing the workforce of Indigenous medical specialists and, and building a culturally safe college. So that's Associate Professor Luke Birchall. So not only is he Australia's first Indigenous cardiologist, he's also working to change the system from the inside as the chair of the Royal Australasian College of Physicians, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Health Committee. Bit of a mouthful. Yes. Uh, and someone else doing that as well is Dr. Glenn Harrison, who's a Wachabalik man originally from Dimboola. So he's the first Indigenous emergency specialist and he works at the Royal Melbourne Hospital with Luke. He works at the Epworth as well. Uh, And he is a key driver of the Indigenous Internship Program at the Royal Melbourne. So that's been running for about six years. They take two interns or junior doctors every year, trying to, you know, just encourage them, mentor them, perhaps get them on a path to becoming a specialist. Uh, And Dr. Glenn Harrison, he's also the board director of the Australian Indigenous Doctors Association, or AIDA. You'll hear him say it. So this is what he said when I asked him about moving from safe to brave. It's a tough one because I think, most hospitals, organisations are not sure how to take the first step and um, they're very cautious and, uh, and so as a result uh, they do uh, a lot of things that are sort of minimal in a way without actually stretching themselves a little bit for fear of, I guess, offending people or doing the wrong thing. And I really think, you know, the brave step is really to engage with the organisations that do support, you know, their employees uh, particularly in the health service. Uh, so for young you know, doctors and young medical students, then uh, AIDA uh, you know, is the, the, the sort of the core organisation uh, for that. And then you have the other health services from you know, Aboriginal um, you know, controlled organisations or Aboriginal medical services, at least anyway, uh, to link in with, uh, you know, from a health thing, close the gap, uh, what activities uh, are they doing? But also, you know, I think it's really around... Uh, you know, how can we actually look to make this workplace safer? How can we make sure that we call out um, racism if it's in the institution? How do we make sure we reduce our biases? How do we make sure that we actually have proper quality clinical outcomes, you know, for our patients? Dr. Glenn Harrison there. So he says that there are more Indigenous doctors now than, say, a decade ago, Mm -hmm. and organisations like AIDA are being more vocal. So he says the environment is improving, both for Indigenous doctors and patients, but still more improvements to go. And what he was saying there about making sure that there really is uh, an impact on health outcomes for Indigenous patients, he says, you know, when hospitals ask patients if they're Indigenous to collect that data, that it shouldn't be just about ticking a box, it should really be looking at the health uh, outcomes of those patients and making sure that there is improvement there. So actually tracking it to an outcome, not just to say this is how many Indigenous patients we have. So if you look at the um, Reconciliation Week website at those 20 calls to action for this year, the one I mentioned around supporting self-determination, the safer action that it talks about is understand the strengths in First Nations community control in governing health, education curricula and media representation. So just understanding it. The braver action, it says, is to support and promote community controlled and Indigenous governed organisations. So there'll be lots of messages like that this week about how to move from talking about things, uh, you know, just having those ideas and actually turning it into action.